Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello and welcome to Politics War Room with James Carville and I'm Al Hunt. Remember, we love taking your questions, so write into politicswarroom at gmail.com or send a tweet to at Politicon for next week's show. Now we'll get to as many as we can, but don't forget to tell us where you're from. And please check out the link to our sponsor, Real Paper, in our episode show notes. We thank you for supporting our sponsors. It really helps make this podcast happen. So please tell your friends about us and remind them to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, James, this is a rare show without a guest, and there's lots of topics. What a news week. Uh, but these are ones I think we are really well-versed in, so um, um, it's fine not to have a guest this week. First, let's talk straight politics. There's a huge victory in Wisconsin State Supreme Court race that both parties said was crucial. Progressive Janet Prosadowicz won a landslide, double-digit victory. It wasn't just a, a victory, it was a huge victory. Gave Democrats a majority on that high court for the first time in 15 years. Uh, and they have the opportunity now to undo some right-wing measures on gerrymandering, uh, an evenly, evenly divided state. The Republicans have over 60% of state legislators, six of eight members of Congress. The Republicans uh, and the Republican majority in the state Supreme Court had acted really anti-voting measures, doing away with drop boxes and the like. And they can undo, this state Supreme Court with a four to few majority could undo a lot of that. But my biggest takeaway is abortion. It is as big an issue, maybe bigger as it was last year. There was a clear cut difference between those candidates, an issue of repealing a 19th century law outlawing abortion. Uh, and I think it was, it was, it's quite clear where voters are, uh, as they were in Kansas. And I'll just say one more thing. It offset a huge setback in the North Carolina Supreme Court uh, uh, last year, allowing Republicans to take control. National Democrats pay attention to these state Supreme Court races. And finally, our great guest, Ben Winkler, the party chair, he should be out celebrating. It's an extraordinary victory for him, but I'm sure he's back organizing and preparing for the next elections. Well, uh, I, I texted uh, Ben last night. In, you got to go through the returns, but what clearly happened, what they call it, wild counties, the Colorado, suburban Collar counties around Milwaukee, yep. uh, that was made a huge difference. And Dane County, which is where Madison University, Wisconsin is, is, is now the leading Democratic county in Wisconsin, more so than even Milwaukee County. Massive turnout. And, uh, and yes, and the Republican the abortion issue is showing no signs of, of, of lessening at all. Uh, you don't win races in Wisconsin by 10 points. I mean, that, 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 that's, you understand, that's a state where it's plus or minus 35,000 votes. And that's not what happened last night. And if you look at what the 
Republican candidate said he, he was extremely bitter and petty in his remarks. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, but it, they they're going to have a hangover with these suburban voters for a long time to come. That, that, that's pretty clearly what, what, what happened here in my mind. It's the, the abortion issue and the Dobbs issue is, if anything, gets more salient as we go as we push forward. I think you nailed it, James, because uh, the gerrymandering and the voting restrictions and that state Supreme Court, Republican state Supreme Court, almost, almost uh, tried to steal the 2020 election with phony electors. Uh, but that stuff's been around for a while and they voted on that before. Uh, and I think, you know, it's taken on more weight. But to win by, I think, 11 points over 200,000 votes, I, I think a chunk, a big chunk of that uh, was the very clear difference in abortion. Yes. It, 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 you know, you look at where the increases came, it, it even buttresses that case even more. Uh, it was... You know, this has to be digested, but this, this might be bigger than we think. You know, I, I mean, people will comb through it. And what preliminary looks like did not happen, uh, but I, I, I'll reserve judgment on this, is that the Trump indictment, there was some thought, but thought crossed my mind too. I wonder if this is going to affect turnout in these kind of uh, more northern Wisconsin, western Wisconsin, some of these, you know, rural deep red counties, and it it doesn't appear to, uh, right now that it had that big of an effect. I, uh, I, James, I did the same thing, and and, and like you, I, I'm, this is certainly not definitive, but just looking at the turn, it looks like it had almost no effect. Uh, right. I mean, I, I couldn't see, either in those heavily Republican, I, I, just, I just checked a couple, so, so I don't want to exaggerate right. here, but I didn't see any, any great increase in turnout over the last state Supreme Court race. And then you looked at, you mentioned the, um, uh, the Wow counties, the suburban counties, and a county that Ben Wickler has always talked about, South County, which is a, a, a swing county. Uh, I don't know, I, I think she won that, you know, by almost, she won that by double digits. So the preliminary evidence is that Trump had no effect. Yeah, and, and, and that, that, that uh, it's kind of, I mean, that's an interesting piece of information. Let's, let's put it there. Okay, and, yep. and not try to exaggerate or downplay it anymore. But, you know, the issue was still there. He'd been indicted. It was all over the news. If there was going to be a sort of rally around the flag uh, thing here, it, it, it might have manifested itself. But this was not a encouraging election for people that thought that there would be a, a big turnout backlash to Trump's indictment. Like, no. There's not much evidence of that. No, I agree. Uh, well, um, congratulations to Justice uh, Prosadowitz uh, and to Ben Wickler, uh, the best party chair maybe in the country. Another election uh, in Chicago, uh, very, very close. The uh, progressive candidate, Brandon Johnson, a community union organizer, won a close contest over the former school board chair, Paul Vallis. Um, I think the progressives deserve credit on this. I, I, I always thought that the ideological schism there was exaggerated, that Johnson wasn't quite the left-winger he was depicted in Ballas was certainly not a right-winger. Uh, but Johnson has an opportunity to reach out now and govern far more effectively than the current mayor, Laurie Lightfoot. But, uh, you know, he starts with a divided city. 
Well, there's a lot of vibe cities. It, it, our, our friend, uh, current ambassador to Japan, uh, Thomas Johnson was a, a, a good candidate. Mm-hmm. He didn't say, he liked, liked Dallas, he didn't, he, but, but he did say he's a, he, politically that he was more skilled than Dallas was. And I think that did turn out to be the case. And I got the same sense as you did that Dallas was not as conservative as people were portraying him, nor was Johnson as liberal as people were portraying him. But it, it certainly got in there in short hand. I certainly wish the guy does a really good job. It's a really great city, and it's, it's suffered from poor leadership in the last four years. James, I, I think the one cautionary note that I would put up for Democrats is don't read those results uh, as crime doesn't matter. I think there were a number of people who voted for Brandon Johnson who still worry a lot about crime. I don't think that that's the message that Brandon Johnson is going to take from this. And, you know, Paul had run for him, and he did better than he ever did before. And he, again, he's, he was not the most skilled candidate there was. Mm-hmm. And I don't, if, if, if that's the lesson that, that the mayor-elect takes from this, he's going to be massively unsuccessful. But I don't think that's going to be what he does. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, James, I think we had a couple other big stories this week. Let me... <laughs> Let me see if I can think of one or two. How about Trump in the docket? In addition to ex-president, we can add criminal defendant. Your take? Well, my take is this. and One of my ongoing critiques with the center or the center-left commentators is they're always looking for something to show their independence. And this is an interesting fault line here. And, you know, a lot of people who I really like, uh, John Chait, Paul Begala, I mean, uh, more than really like, Paul's term. There is a persistent thing is, ah, this is, you know, it's kind of weak case, you know, but they really need to be bringing this. And there are other people who are extremely knowledgeable and said this is a very strong case. There was an op-ed in the Times today that this is the 30th case they've bought on this kind of falsifying records thing. And I, I, I don't know what to believe. Is this a kind of weak, you know, chicken shit case that, you know, you, you don't bring or is, or the underlying facts of this uh, substantial and, and, and merit of vigorous prosecution? But I, I do know that it has always been this way. That there are people, the center, the center left, just loves that, you know, the, the most prominent was Hillary's email story, where they had a collective conniption. Turned out there wasn't anything there. So <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't trust some of, the, some of the commentary because I think it's just always looking to, to, to prove it, it, its independence or, it, 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 you know, its thought to itself. But I, I'm, I'm open to persuasion either way on this. Well, I don't think I'm going to be able to persuade you, and I want to stress that I am not a lawyer. I sort of split the difference. Um, I don't think it's going to be easy to win a felony conviction on this case. If I had been, uh, if I had a magic wand, I could have picked the first case to bring. It would not have been this one. 
but it's not a frivolous case either. First of all, the misdemeanor charge is, is a slam dunk case. I mean, he, they cooked the books. And the question is, can you prove that they did it with intent uh, to commit another crime or a felony? You know, here's, here's what we know. Uh, James, Trump paid off a porn star, had a porn star paid off about a sexual encounter, so she wouldn't talk about the 2016 presidential election. He had his friends at the National Enquirer buy a Playboy model story uh, about the affair that she had with Trump, a catch and kill, so they could kill that story so it wouldn't come out before the election. They even paid off a doorman who was, taking, who was talking about another scandal so it wouldn't come out before the election. Now, it may be harder to prove that that was his intent. I have no doubt that it was. That's different than convincing a jury uh, of that. Uh, and uh, his chief witness, uh, the chief witness for Alvin Bragg, the former uh, fixer, Michael Cohen, you know, is, is, has a very unsavory past. So I, I think it's going to be a tough case, but it's not a, uh, you know, it's, this is not a frivolous case by any means. One other point I'd make to keep in mind, everyone, oh, my God, what's this going to do? Will Trump, you know, use this to his advantage? This case now is scheduled uh, to, uh, to, to be heard uh, or to start on December 4. And by then, I think it is highly likely the Fulton County will likely bring a case against Trump. The illegal handling of classified material in Mar-a-Lago is likely to be brought, and maybe even the January 6th effort to overturn an election could be brought. This is going to be a bad year for Donald Trump. Well, the thing about these legal cases is they have a timetable. They're not coming back into court until December. The judge has set right. a timetable. I'm going to give advice to Democrats. I assure you, no one is going to take all right, but I'm going to put it out anyway. When, when, because everybody, and you're going to have, how many panels of a law professor, a former prosecutor, a, a criminal defense lawyer that you're going to see? A thousand of them. Mm -hmm. And while this is sitting there stewing, the Democrats say, you know, let's talk about some real issues right now in the interim as we're waiting for all of these other shoes to drop or events to happen. Why don't the Republicans submit a budget? Now, they promised they would. They talked about it. They've been in office now over 90 days, and we don't even have a schedule as to what the president has released his budget. We were told that it's then on arrival, that, that, that that's the yearly ritual, is the, the biannual ritual, whatever, that the president's budget is dead on arrival. I can't tell you the number of times I read that. But their budget is not dead on arrival. It hadn't arrived. So what are you going to do? In... in the Democrats on the House Budget Committee say, if you don't submit one by Labor Day, we're going to submit the budget for you that is going to keep all of your campaign promises. We're not going to cut Social Security. We're not going to cut Medicare. We're not going to cut defense. And we're going to balance the budget in 10 years. And let's see what that looks like. They can't do it. You have them in a place that they can't get out of. Just crush the shit out of them. And it's nothing you can talk about. Alvin Bragg and what's going to happen on December the 12th and the motions that are going to be filed yeah, or what is that with, with the Fulton DA or the Mar-a-Lago and, and there'll be 8,000 panels on that. But when they say you want to talk about let's talk about the real issues here. We're obsessing. Okay, good. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the biggest issue there is. Show me your goddamn budget. And they're not going to do it because you know the reason and I know the reason. They can't. It's that fucking simple. 
and we ought to press for an advantage. Well, James, they can if you want to eliminate uh, veterans' benefits and you want to eliminate, what, air traffic controllers, you want to eliminate the border patrol. But you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, They they have been incredibly dishonest about this and forced their hand. Again, by Labor Day, if they don't have one, we should produce one that keeps all their campaign promises. Don't give them that long. They're due to get this out no later than May. Give them to, maybe give them to July 4th. Okay, okay. Pick, okay July 4th. Okay, all right. Independence okay. Day. I, I, I mean, yeah. pick a date, yep. and if you don't do it, we're going to do it for you. Yep, put it out for and the vote. And, 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 you know, all of these, you know, the, the whole commentariat that wants to somehow or another wakes up every morning thinking of a way that it can prove that it's, above politics and independent thought, then they can ask them, well, well do you favor it? This is what the Democrats say you're going to do. And they, oh, my God, we'll do that. Well, then what are you going to do? Yep. And press them. Press them. Make them answer. And, and, you know, they get out there and Lindsey Graham crying. What, what is, that guy's having a nervous breakdown. Oh, let me tell you something. I, I, really watched, I watched a lot of Fox last night. I watched probably three hours of Fox. It was instructive. It really was. There's a money scam, as always, with Trump, and they tried it. Fox trotted out the usual cast of characters. Go back and read the old Dominion emails, and you can imagine what their planning purpose was. We got to go all out for Trump. Our viewers are going are, are to desert me. But as you said, my favorite was Lindsey Graham holding back tears while while he was setting up a funding mechanism, lindseygram.com or whatever it was. I mean, what a total, complete fraud. And also, I mean, I got to mention this. The Trump sons and other allies, they not only attacked the judge, they attacked the judge's wife. They attacked the judge's daughter. One prosecutor said last night, mafia dons don't do this. Uh, they, They really are incredible. Uh, and I, I guess I would say one final word just on the other side. The judge warned both sides against waging social media and cable TV jihad. Of course, Trump ignored it because you know he's going to because he always does. But let me just say on the other side, Lanny Davis, who's Michael Cohen's lawyer, isn't doing the prosecution any favor by constantly trotting his client out. And last night after being warned, you know, take it easy in cable TV, there he goes in a friendly cable TV show to peddle his case. Lanny's interested more in Lanny than anything else. Uh, and so, uh, just, uh, you know, Lanny, take a, take a break for a while. Uh, water is wet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, but it, it, you got to have the whole sideshow, yeah. all right? Yeah. And, and I can assure you that I don't think Brake is a fool, and I, I don't think the people that work in that DA's office are fools, and I don't think that... Michael Cohen is essential to proving a single element of the crime that, that Trump is charged. Yeah, I hope not. I think you're right. But uh, if, if they do, but he's the most impeachable witness you, you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, uh, James, the other thing is uh, uh, it, it has been generally assumed that the crime that, that led to doctoring the books was uh, basically campaign finance uh, crime to try to uh, hide, uh, hide this from the 2016 election. And people point to a similar case against John Edwards, which was unsuccessful. There, and there are parallels there. But there's another, if you read the, the 14-page memo, which I did, that Bragg uh, included, there's also a potential tax case 
that they did this and the payoff to Cohen was uh, in order to really kind of, um, um, you know, do, I, I do some tax manipulation. That may be a more serious way, uh, more serious means. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, but, but let's see. But but it is interesting, the the diversity of takes on this indictment from mainstream commentators and journalists. And, and uh, but I, I think the the conventional wisdom today is is that the events these events have solidified Trump's hold on the Republican nomination, but if anything, have hurt him in the general election. I, I, I kind of agree with that right now. I could change my mind easily, but maybe, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. Maybe this is when conventional wisdom is right. I don't know. What, right. What's your view of it? Well, no, I... If I had to bet, I'd bet on that too. But again, I go back to what I said a few moments ago. Uh, today is, uh, well, it's April 6th, we're on. I, I think of it as April 5th because that's my anniversary. I want to tell my wife I love her, by the way. But, um, I, you know, December 4 is a long, long way, a long way to go. And next January and February, even longer, there are going to be other indictments. Uh, I, 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 I would buy the conventional wisdom for now, but I'm not very confident. Well, I know this I will say. They're not going to do it, but if they took our advice and just drove the budget home, it would be to their political advantage. That I do believe. Totally. That I do believe. Totally. The, de- the Democratic politicians don't have to talk about Donald no. Trump. The Republican politicians have to. Have to. They have to. And the, the Democrats can simply say, hey, let the judicial system work its will. And I think that's what Biden has done so far. You got to continue to do it. And Chuck Schumer and the others and AOC, just keep quiet. Yes. It, 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 let, let, let it take, let, let, let the legal system, and it, it will, let it take its own course. All right? You're not yeah. going to stop them. Yeah. No, I, I agree. You're not going to stop. I mean, and you're not going to stop, you know, the, the, the panels on, on, on cable TV. Forget about it. It, it, you, know, you know, but if you took, if you did this, you would really advance the cause. It's very legitimate. <laughs> I mean, I watch those panels, James. And, um, you know, if you watch a panel on Fox, it's five people on there vying to say uh, who can who can be the most outraged at how bad and unconscionable this is. Now, Donald Trump is, uh, has been so maligned. You watch MSNBC, five who vie to say this is worse than Watergate, et cetera. Um, I, I, I like the old days better, but you know what? The old days aren't coming back. So no. here we are. I, I don't, you know, there's some of the MSNBC commentators are actually pretty, pretty good. I, it, you know, I mean, they're. Well, Andrew Weissman is. I'm not sure about the rest of the people. I, I, I mean, you know, I think, when, and he, he's, he's a guest. I think Joyce Vance is uh, and he's, but I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not knowledgeable enough to know. Well, I, I will say this. I was at the no. University of Iowa Law School. And. You know, if you bring a doctor on, you say, well, what do you think of fitness? Well, I, I really can't comment on that. I hadn't really examined the patient. And, you know, a lawyer will fucking comment on anything. Right? You comment That's on true. an indictment That's that true. they haven't even seen. You can't shut them up. There's no, no. I've ne- you know, I hear a lawyer say, well, you know, I gotta, I'm not totally 
So the facts are here, blah, blah, blah. They, 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 every statement they make is definitive and to the point. And I, it's, just a, it's just a difference, in the, a cultural difference, if you will. Yeah, there sure is. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You know, there's, I think, a much-hyped controversy over the 60 Minutes interview last weekend with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Two questions here, James. The first is, should they have given this time and attention to, a, to the right-wing hate monger, which she is? The answer, of course they should have. Reflecting the sorry state of the House Republican Conference, she is a player. She is a big player, as a matter of fact, very close to the speaker, and she's on the two, you know, big committees, the anti-Biden and protect, protect Trump committees. Also, as you've noted, the great Tim Russert interviewed David Duke, the Grand Dragon, the Ku Klux Klan, on Meet the Press, and 60 Minutes once interviewed Louis Farrakhan. So, of course, it was justified. The second question is, how was it done by one of America's best journalists, Leslie Stahl? Now, there were one or two occasions where I wish she would have pressed harder, particularly when Green made the outrageous comment that all Democrats are pedophiles, basically. But this was not a softball interview. She caught Green in blatant lies. The congresswoman denied she ever called the Parkland school killings a false flag. And Leslie put it up on the screen, her, her tweet saying precisely that. And the same was suggesting a bullet. She suggested once a bullet would work on Nancy Pelosi. She denied she said that. She was lying. That was put up on the screen. So again, I might have one or two things in retrospect that a great reporter might have done even better, but it was absolutely justified to do it, and it was a pretty good job. Well, let's go back and talk about these interviews. The, the, the big thing that, that Tim did in the interview Duke is he asked him, who is the biggest employer in the state of Louisiana? And, of course, Duke had no freaking idea. All right? But and then let's, He was running for governor, wasn't he? Was running for governor. And then yeah. the Katie Couric effectively ended Sarah Palin's political career when she asked her, what newspapers do you read? All right? That, that, that hit like a... Mm -hmm. like, and remember, she was on a... McCain had actually kind of taken a lead. He had a post-convention bounce... And Sarah Palin had given a well-reviewed speech to the Republican National Convention. And I think it was in Minneapolis. And that one interview was into that. So I think 
I, this whole freaking deplatforming people, I used to tell my students, the only reason I don't have David Duke before you in this class is I'm, I'm a moral coward because I, don't, I certainly wouldn't see anything wrong with it, and I don't want to give the president of the university crap of pineapple, all right? But I am more critical of Leslie Saul than you would be. And this is why she's, you know, a lot better than I do. I don't know if anybody, like, dislikes her and think that she has a distinguished career in journalism. She doesn't understand. They were not ready for this uh, pedophile grooming stuff. Because when, when Marcella Green did it, you could see her. She said, well, you really can't believe that. I mean, she was stunned. As opposed to, the should have, she should have been briefed on the centrality of grooming and pedophilia and how that's a real ingrained thing on what people like Marjorie Taylor Greene. And, and, you know, at that point, now, you know, I know you second guess people, you say, well, let me read in some names, Democrats, you think they're groomers or pedophiles, Nancy Pelosi, or Joe Biden, or Jill Biden, or Michelle Obama. I mean, you just make them look fucking ridiculous. But I, I this is, you know, there's a reason that you have churn in journalism and politics, because culturally, our generation thinks it's so goddamn crazy, and you can see that she was like, well, you know, I mean, really? Because she, she's got a, you know, no, 50, 60-year career in journalism, and had never encountered anything like that before. And, and the resources that 60 Minutes has, they, I think that the staff should have prepared her better for this. That, that, that would be my... Well, I, 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 I agree on that one point. I agree on the pedophile point. You know what she should have done? She should have called our friend Mallory McMurrow, uh, who right. knows how to deal with people when, 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 when she's called right. a groomer. So on that one point, I would agree. But overall, I think this yeah, was, I was anything uh, yeah. but a soft... Yeah. And I yeah, think, it, Jane, I'm just thinking about it. 30% of those viewers probably think that Marjorie Taylor Greene is terrific because that's... That's her constituency. 40% a little more knows that she is a venomous hater because she is. But that 25%, if it was that, 15%, who, who was it? Well, let me see. I want to be on the fence. I, I'm not quite sure what I think. Uh, I, I think that 25% overwhelmingly would have said, hey, this woman's crazy. I mean, call on President Biden a pedophile. Wish Leslie would have picked up more in it. But I think, I don't think Marjorie Taylor Greene, if she wanted to help herself with that undecided group, I think she hurt herself. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I, it said 5.5 million. I thought that was a good number. I was wrong. That's the third lowest they've had. So I, I think the people at CBS, I mean, 60 Minutes, greatest brand name in journalism probably now. But I, I think given the crap they got combined with the low audience, they probably said, gee, I don't think I want to do this again, but I don't know that. But I... I, I yeah. I think it's completely legitimate that she should have done it, totally legitimate. And she conducted a, a, a good interview with that one kind of glaring deficiency. Yeah, yeah. She caught her in lies. Whenever you catch, oh. you know, somebody on television and, they, and they're caught in blatant lies that are on the screen, oh, uh, that do. doesn't help that person usually. I, 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 what we right. should highlight is, is if they ever tell the goddamn truth, that would be newsworthy. I mean, what he had Trump when he was president... These guys would track it, uh, Daniel Dale or Glenn Kess, I don't know. They did 23,000 lies. I, I always thought yeah. they should do a headline, Trump actually tells the truth about something. 
It's, it's, it's stunning. Oh, I don't know, James. I think that, that, that's reach. That's a reach. I'm trying to think of a good example of that. Hard. It's really hard. And, and it is. The, it is. And the, the, the line has become just part of the fabric of American politics. Yeah. And, it, and, and yeah. look, you, you can't. So all of the stuff comes out that Tucker Carlson or John Hattie or Laura Ingram were telling each other one thing and their viewers another thing. Their ratings went up. They, they want to be lied to. If you tell them that you're being lied to, they'll say, good. These are the kind of lies I want to hear. If exactly. somebody, somebody else was caught, if somebody listened to our show and texted about how stupid our things are, how we make up stories, people would not listen to us. I, I, it, 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 it's, it's stunning and it's just a hard thing for a human being to grasp that they actually, they, they will pay to be lied to. It's kind of stunning at some level. Really stunning. Yeah. It is that. Hey, James, any, any, any news coming out of Baton Rouge? Anything about your alma mater you want to talk about? You know, uh, this is such an interesting event. Uh, I, I, I don't know if any sport has gained relevance and popularity at the speed that women's college basketball did this year. I, I, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it was gaining in, you know, people starting to pay more attention to it than anything. But, I mean, the, the, the numbers, the coverage, the, the underpinnings, the, everything about this was not just an athletic story. It was a cultural story. It was a racial story. And I was in Iowa City Saturday night, the, the day before the game at the University of Iowa Law School. They couldn't have not have been lovelier, more polite, or more intelligent people anywhere. They, they were ramped up and excited about it. The, the actual flashpoint of you don't see me, uh, the, you know, you could see that building because they did the same thing to Louisville. And in South Carolina, they, they, they taunted South Carolina. And so the LSU women were like, you know, we'll be in there, you, you disrespected. And it's, it's hard for me to believe there wasn't some racial stuff here. Uh, but the, what Angel Reese did was not egregious at all. Caitlin Clark said, no, it's totally within the, the, the realm of stuff. But boy, the commentary had got it. And then, I, I, and I think Mrs. Biden, in a, which she thought was a gracious gesture, uh, said, well, why don't we have the, both the Iowa and LSU teams come? Well, that did not go over well in Baton Rouge. Could you imagine Nick Saban, after getting his ass beat by Georgia, asking if the Alabama game could go to the White House too, team? Well, Kate, uh, Kate, Kate, Caitlin Clark of Iowa said, no, that's not a good well, idea. <laughs> right, and, and I think Biden and the, the, the Troy, it, it, this is where it didn't work. It, Troy Carter, who is a very good guy, he's a very good friend of mine, uh, he's the, the congressman from the 2nd District of Louisiana, New Orleans, is heavily to gerrymandered, you know, heavily. I, in my old town of Carville, Louisiana, is in, the, in that congressional district. And he said, hell no, there's only one winner. And I, I think in, on the, the street, this was not taken well at all. It, it was like, 
Oh, and, and you know, LSU is a overwhelmingly black basketball team. Not much of a surprise there. And Iowa, it was, unsurprisingly, it was a lot whiter than than most college women's college basketball teams. But and I, I don't think these women was so much an issue with them. But it it it, it became a a a, a big issue on the street. And uh, it didn't take Troy very long to put out a press release to that effect. And, and it, it just, uh, the, the story just hit a lot of, it hit a lot of responsive cards, it, it both athletically. Well, it did, but it shouldn't have. I've sat, I, I've sat on the, on the front row of a number of, you know, a number of times of NBA games, college games too, particularly NBA games. And I got to tell you, the trash talking, the insults that you hear there, you know, uh, make Miss Reese, uh, you know, look like a, a kindergarten teacher. I mean, that's part of the game. Caitlin Clark said that. She wasn't offended. So I think, you know, I think they've made much ado uh, about very little. And I will say, as a big basketball fan, I agree with you about women's basketball. It's kind of tracking where women's soccer began 20 years or so ago. LSU is one of the best teams I've ever seen. And Caitlin Clark is one of the best players uh, that I have ever seen. So, you know, it was, a, it was a great year for women's basketball, far more important than, you know, temporary contratemp. And it's really not just because of my alma mater, but it's really worth temporary reflect on exactly what these young women accomplished. LSU won nine basketball games in 2021. Nine! All right? And... Two years later, they're the national champion. That's that that that's stunning turnaround. You know, you say somebody's great and they go nine wins, and two years later they got twenty-one wins. And you say, well, you know, our coach would be well, be coach of the year. So I don't know what happened there, but it was a pretty remarkable turnaround. It, it was James, but let's not be you know let's let's. Uh... Uh, not be sexist here because the UConn Huskies also deserve a lot of credit. That was one great college basketball team. To go through an entire tournament and win every game by more than 15 points, I think is unprecedented. They didn't win. They just blew out teams and they got better as the year goes on. And Danny Hurley, who comes from a great uh, coaching uh, family, just did a fabulous job. And uh, some people said it was a disappointing Final Four I thought it was a good Final Four. Well, I think, I, you know, I have to be a little bit of a, my history might, could be a little bit off, but I think like 79 Michigan State. I, I, I think actually LSU came as close to them as anybody, which, but they kind of ran through it like a hot knife through butter. But I don't think it, it surpassed what UConn did this year. And I'm really glad because my guy ACL, uh, told me at the beginning of the tournament that he thought UConn would, would end up being a hot team. So I kind of predicted it. I, it, made, it made me look good. Uh, me too, James. Uh, we were together in that one. No, nobody, uh, you're right, nobody came even close to him. I mean, it was just dominance. Yeah. Like, it, 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 you're right, their coaches come from a, from a real basketball family. Jesus. <laughs> That's royalty. It is royalty. Uh, but usually that final game, or at least the semifinal games, there's a uh, and, and there was a nail biter, uh, last second shot in the uh, in the uh, Saturday games. But that final game, more often than not, is one that goes right down to the wire. Uh, this one, this one was basically over, you know, after the first five five minutes or so. 
Anyway, congratulations to LSU. Congratulations to UConn. Uh, and we can't wait till next year. Yeah, I think the most remarkable thing about both of these March, the whole March Madness, was that I will beat South Carolina. I, I don't think anybody, and myself included, uh, we played South Carolina on Super Bowl Sunday, and they beat the snot out of us. And they hadn't lost. You know, they were defending national champions. I don't think they lost any last year. And they were eleven and a half point favorite against Iowa. And Iowa beat them. You know, not not on the bus of beat her. Anything. What, I mean, Kate, you know, Caitlin beat. Clark had forty. Was it forty? Yeah, forty-one or something. I think I don't yeah, know. And 10, yeah, 10 assists. Man, that's. I mean, that's LeBron James territory. Yes, and, and you know, it's one thing to do that against. I don't know uh, Penn State's basketball team. It's another thing to do it against South Carolina, who Grinnell, right? But, no, but it is. Thought, yeah, I thought to be one of the best women's college basketball team in history. And yeah, I, I certainly thought so. And yep, uh, that would the, the, the Iowa women deserve a uh, you know you know one national championship in the semifinal game, but you, you sure make a mark in history. They did. They did. Okay. James, now for the outrage of the week. You know, you're always wondering when I'm going to find that that good Republican. You know, there are a few, but a lot less than yesteryear. When states like Tennessee produced some of the best, Howard Baker and Bill Brock in particular, you know, also kind of Lamar Alexander, Fred Thompson, Bill Frist, the volunteer states now, their Washington delegation is a joke, and the state legislature may be worse. Let me me just tell you what that overwhelming Republican legislature is poised to do. They're going to expel, expel three Democratic colleagues. Why? They are accused of, quote, disorderly conduct for protesting in the chamber the failure to enact gun control after six people, including three little kids, were killed at the Covenant Christian School only 11 miles away from that state capitol, 11 miles. These GOP yahoos seem to care much more about pleasing their right wing in the gun lobby than the fact that three little children were gunned down in the same city. I mean, this really tells you everything you need to know about the state of the Republican, once proud Republican Party in Tennessee. Well, I I certainly am not going to even try to top that because I... I had the same reaction when I saw the story. I thought it was someone was making it up. I mean, the, 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 any democratic tendency within a, a large element of the Republican Party is, is something stunning. And it you is. look at what that uh, former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice, uh, Daniel Kelly, that got his ass beat soundly last night, he had the, he had the most disgusting... I wouldn't call it a concession speech that I've ever heard. They they just think they're entitled to be in office. They really do. And that they're entitled to make any rule that they want to make. And they shouldn't have to put up with this. And mm-hmm. that that's a just that's just becoming a big thing over in, in, on outside the, the equation. It just is. And it gets worse and worse by the day. How dare you protest us? Yeah. We'll show you. How dare you beat me in an election? And, and, and she, he got beat by 11 points. So That's, I, a, that's a landslide. 
Yes. In a state like, like yeah. Wisconsin, it's more than a landslide. <clears throat> I mean, if somebody wanted Utah or, or Idaho, you'd say, well, it's Utah, Idaho, or, or a more liberal state in Massachusetts. If somebody went away, you'd say, well, it's you know, about what you expect. This is not even remotely what you would expect. And I, yeah. I, I'm kind of anxious to talk to men a little bit, you know, let the dust settle, and to see if there's anything to real take away with this. I, I know that the, the wild counties that we always talk about, will, will, you know, came in way more democratic than they traditionally do. Uh, yep, yep. I, I just, I, I wonder if this, you know, because the thing was, you had Dobbs, you had this immediate kind of pushback, you had the Kansas referendum, and then by October of last year, leading up to the election, you started to see, well, maybe the abortion thing is losing its salience. You hear that a lot, right? It, and it, 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 you know, okay, I, I, I'll confess, maybe I was thinking that myself. And it, it, it looked like it, in a lot of instances, it, it saved seats for Democrats. And then the next electoral event you had was Wisconsin. And, and it seems to me that was really big. And I, I, I think we're going to have to digest the implications of this for a while. Yeah, no, I agree. Totally agree. Now for the questions. James, we got a bunch of good questions this week. I have called out the ones about most of the ones about uh, the Trump uh, indictment and about the uh, elections this week because we covered that, but we got a lot more here. Kathy in St. Louis says, while, while she agree, we, agrees we have to talk about Trump, we can't forget to talk about how red states are becoming literally undemocratic in our so-called democracy. The list is long and pervasive in everyday life. Horrific gun legislation, lack of abortion rights, and now defunding libraries. Is, is 20... 24 politics going to be local. Oh, wow. Where, where do I start? I think I, I saw in Louisiana they're taking books out to libraries. I've never heard anybody, I'm, I'm pretty sure the same thing is true in Missouri. The, the problem that Louisiana has is not too many books. <laughs> right, right, and, and, right. You know, we got to go back to using imagery. You know, talk about book burning. And one of my favorite movie scenes is in uh, Field of Dreams when Kevin, Amy Madigan, I guess Kevin Costner's wife, and they had that kind of town hall school board meeting. She called that woman a Nazi cow. <laughs> and <clears throat> just call it book burning. I, I, I mean, because that, that, that's something that people understand. It's a real name, and let them explain. Well, we're technically not burning books. We're just removing them from library. You, you explain that. But you yeah. know they yeah. want to they want to burn books and you know part of the equation take you know make decisions for women you know boom 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 J just hit them and and plus they can't submit a budget how do you yeah. have, what's what's the budget what's the library budget that the Congress is going to submit let's see no I know. Hey, you know, Kathy, one of my favorites, this is such a good question, is in one of the instruction materials sent out by, uh, in, in Florida, was about Rosa Parks, you know, the great woman who refused to sit, move and sit back in the colored section and, and, uh, and launch the Montgomery boy, uh, bus boycott. 
but they decided in that they had to take out any reference to race. Rosa Parks, and there's no reference to race? No, I mean, really, this is what we're into. Now, they later said, well, it was a mistake, but that's what they're, that's what they're really doing in places like that. I, you know, I know you'll remember this, one of the really internal laughs that Clinton people had during the whole brouhaha is, what are we going to tell the children? Oh, my God, what are you going to tell the children? Because the children don't know about sex. The children don't know about racism. Right. Okay? I, I mean, of course they do. The children don't know they're gay people. If we don't tell them, then there won't be any. Right. They'll go away. They'll all go away. Hmm. It, it's so profoundly stupid. And then somebody got in trouble for showing Michelangelo's David. I remember it's about girls, I don't know, probably six and four years old or something went to Florence. Of course you go to see David. Well, on I, I got to tell you, when I took my daughter there, she was, I think, four, and uh, uh, the Evanston, Illinois Garden Club was with us, and she was on my shoulders, uh, and she did look at it, and she said, she said, Daddy, would you look at the penis on that man? At which point, <laughs> rather than being a mature father and everything, all I could imagine was the Evanston, Illinois Garden Club saying, what manner of man is that? Uh, but uh, Don't get uh, over it. I think she, and I think, I think she, I don't, I don't, I think it was a good thing in any event. What, what do we tell the children? Hell, tell them everything. Exactly. You know, that was what, the, I, I read a couple of books on child rearing, and it's if they ask you a question, answer it. And if they don't understand it, then they'll come back and, at a time that they can understand. But, but for God's sakes, tell them the truth. I mean, one of the things that, like, I found out that being a cradle Catholic and, you know, taking catechism and everything, that, you know, and I always assumed and they always inferred that Matthew, Luke, Mark, and John were actually four of the 12 apostles. Well, there were no such thing. The, 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 the books were written, at, you know, 60 years or 70 years after Jesus died. It, and when you find that out, it just pisses you off. Why did these sons of bitches lie to me like this? Yeah, yeah. It just, yeah. It, it's irritating, and don't lie to people. Just tell them the fucking truth. And they can say, well, it was divinely inspired. And they, they were part of an oral tradition they had back then, or anything like that. But they always trying to sneak something by you. And, and yeah. that's the same thing with all of this. It, it's absurd. You know, and some people... And I understand this, and that you know, the world is so evil that I don't want my kids to be part of it. Uh, I, I mean, uh, you know, what was that great movie Witness about the Amish people in, in Pennsylvania? Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. guess they have a perfect yeah. right to. They, they no, think so. uh, I, I, I certainly agree. You know, I said that I wasn't going to uh, throw out any questions about. Trump, but I'm going to make an exception here because this is a little bit different. Drew in Cleveland, Ohio says, how will the GOP presidential candidates handle the issue of pardoning Trump during the primaries? Uh, if the eventual GOP nominee agrees, if nominated, how will this position impact the general election? They're going to have to deal with this, even if Trump is not tried by it. They're going to be asked that. If, 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 if Trump should be convicted, will you agree you're going to pardon him? Democrats don't have to address that issue. They can just say, let the, let the uh, process play out. He's going to have appeals. But Republicans are going to be forced to address that. And I don't think it's going to go over well because I think you're going to have to commit to pardoning. 
So this is just a, you know, a, a hypothetical. We've talked about it before, but I'll bring it up again. But let's assume that, that, that Trump's legal issues just go disastrously for him. That, that, that the Fulton County DA and Jack Smith, and he's just, he, he's caught in every front. So right. the, the White House counsel goes in to see the president and said, sorry, I've been having a backdoor channel to, to Trump's attorneys. And they want to know, if, are there any conditions which you would consider a pardon? And requesting that the Manhattan DA and the Fulton County DA for the good of the country uh, suspend their investigations for now. And so in what they have offered is, is that Trump will write you a letter admitting guilt and personally requesting a pardon from you. If you were advising Biden in, in this kind of hypothetical situation, what, or if you were Biden, what would be going through your mind? Great question. Um, I would want a little bit more than the confession. I'd want him to cover all the costs of everything. Uh, I want him to vow never to run for office again. Uh, but yes, I tell you, under yeah. those circumstances, I would be I would be tempted to take it. It might it might have a political downside, though. Yeah, I I I, I agree, and I I think that the public, if they did that, in you know, in in in, in the. the in the ideal world, I'm just making up hypothetics here, is that both the, the Fulton County DA and the Manhattan DA is say that we will suspend this, but if he if he breaks anything in this agreement, we're going to bring the case back. Yeah, I, I don't not. know. Right. Yeah, maybe the governor of Georgia. I, I mean, I get, could Brian Kemp, the, the governor of Georgia, have pardon power? And how much pressure is going to be if they do? That's something else. I, I haven't seen I, the I, I don't, to that. James, I don't know the answer to that, but I don't recall any. I'm trying to think of any time I remember a governor pardoning someone. They, they, there may well be lots of examples. I just don't know any off the top of my head. No, really they, I mean, like when Haley Barber pardoned all of the trustees and that worked at the governor's mansion. I mean, yeah, I, I that was, know some I think, governors I have pardoned power. Well, I, but I, I don't know. know. Yeah, let's we you know let's check on that. We'll come back next week, I promise you, Drew, and we'll give you an answer to that. David, this is just for you, James. David in Portland, Oregon, is there right. anything to be learned? This is so such a question for you from comparing Donald Trump with Huey Long. They are both famous for demagoguery. Are there other similarities? Was Long also a threat to democracy? Oh God! I, I, you know, I guess my, my my natural inclination would be to defend Long. It, but Long did not use race. Trump blatantly uses race. I mean, Trump. Right. I, I would say so. There's a story, and it's 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 worth repeating. And but Long was anti-democratic. I mean, they would rewire voting machines and shit. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like uh, yeah, but. You know, he started out good <laughs> with the right thing mm -hmm. and just became power consumed. But uh, he, he does not, in, in, in his brother, who was actually my favorite of all, Earl, that the Longs did not, they didn't, they did not use race. That 
very much, and you know, for, for Southern politicians. So there were, during the Depression, there were some black preachers from New Orleans that came in and said, Governor, our people are literally starving. We, we, you know, if we get one job, we can feed, you know, three different families. And he thought about it and he said, okay, I'll get it done, but you, you're not gonna like what I have to do to get it done. And he said, that's okay, you just do what you gotta do. So he announces that he's gonna go to New Orleans and have an inspection of Cherokee Hospital, it's a huge facility. And so, you know, back then, I guess you had a couple of radio stations and, you know, the morning paper and the evening paper. And he announced at a press conference, he steps out in front of the hospital and says, I just saw the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. They, they were actually white women changing bedpans on black patients. This will cease and desist immediately and I'll hire black people to change the bedpan. And of course, the racist, and he got the jobs, okay? <laughs> he, right, 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 right. Can't stand elegant or anything like that, but they got four or five jobs there. And the, I, I, it's, it's, history has, or at least it was told to me, that the, the, the preachers actually thanked him. But that, that's just an example of how he did. But so I, I you know, I mean, don't know what Huey was. I mean, he was obviously could have win or lose all company. I mean, there was sufficient corruption there. There was certainly anti-democratic tendency, but he didn't use race. Now, you know, but that Franklin Roosevelt was a little bit scared of Huey Long at one point. And you know, it was in the middle of the depression. It was a lot of a, a lot of different circumstances. But I, I can't tell you that Huey did not have anti-democratic impulses because he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, next, Barb in Mount Airy, Maryland. Uh, again, this is about Trump. We, we can't avoid it. Trump and his rallies. Since he only appeals to the hard right, is he doomed to have his rallies in the middle of nowhere? I can't imagine him going anywhere near a big city. No, you're right. First of all, his rallies aren't, it would appear from Waco and they did one other, that they're not resonating the way they did, certainly in 2016, even 2020, to the extent that he held them. Uh, so, you know, I, I think he's going to go, they're going to be in deep red areas. That's his only choice. And I think even there, he's not going to turn out the kind of uh, large crowds, enthusiastic crowds he used to. It it certainly seems that way. You know that the the, the during the campaign and you know sometimes after that, it looked like they had more energy than they have now. I don't. I, that's what it, it seems to be, and it, I've read a lot of commentary to to that effect. It, it's how how long can this guy last? I don't know. And I think the indictment has given him a, a, a boost. Now, what, and, uh, you know, everybody likes to pick on the Times. Well, I'm going to pick on the Times today. So I think it was Peter Baker wrote a story saying Trump gets the limelight, Biden can't. Well, of course, you get fucking indicted, you're going to get the limelight in the country. I mean, that that's just going to happen. There's no... You know, Biden is not struggling for relevance uh, because Trump is dominating the airways. I, I mean, I, 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 I think some of this commentary is just kind of silly, but that, that's what I think. But, but yes, you want to dominate yeah, the too. airways, get indicted. 
Suzanne in San Diego, California. Can you insiders, I guess that's us, explain what's really going on with no labels? How worried should we be that they're recognized by Arizona and Colorado as a political party? Where does the money go? Who really is no labels? Are they Republicans in sheep's clothing? Should Democrats be worried about them in 2004? And James, I want to come right back to that. She goes on to say, P.S. Al, you are an icon. No, no, that's my wife, Suzanne, that's the icon. And James, as a marketing and political junkie, I've been a big fan since going back to see War Room in the theater when it first came out. Thank you both for the fantastic podcast. Yay, Suzanne. Now tell her about No Labels, James. Oh, I'm going to try to control myself and be measured here. It is, at its root, an evil organization. And, of course, it's all about money. And, and of course, the only effect that they could, if they were successful, which is doubtful, and I I give a lot of credit to Paul Begala, who really was kind of one of the first people to blow the whistle on this. He he was, yeah. uh, It's Bob Mark Penn, uh, who is the presidential strategist for the Hillary Clinton campaign in 2008. In December of 2007, Mark Penn was adamant that California was the winner-take-all primary. I've I've, I've had that. that, That's true. Uh, I've had it confirmed on multiple occasions. Uh, And there's another organization that you would think is kind of occupying the same thing called uh, Third Way. Third Way has been remarkably good on this. That, you know, they, have. They, they really they, have. They, they, right. they really have. And they should not be, you know, they obviously are a legitimate group and they raise money and they, you know, try different things to do things. And uh, I, I think in some way they might have a little naive view of the world, but it's the worst thing I can say about them. It, it, uh, the no labels people are, are, are just there to to help Trump and help the Republicans. That's it. And I, 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 I don't know. It, it, the question is good. We, we need these kinds of questions. People need to discuss this because it sounds like good on the surface. You can see where it sounds appealing to somebody. Well, you know, we don't believe in labels. You know, we want to be, we got to think of a different way to do things. We, we'd be in a cross-file partisanship. It, their goal is to get Trump elected again. Right. If they, if they were serious, if you're serious about a third party, independent party, whatever, start at the grassroots level. If you're going to start at the top, at the presidential level, you know what? You're in, you're, you're in it to make money. It's a scam. So no. if, if you really care about it, go city council, state rep uh, races, uh, and then see if you can build something. won't be easy. It'll be hard. Hard work. You're not going to raise as much money. So, so uh, Ralph Nader elected Georgia Bush. I mean, it's, it's evident. It'd be evident to anybody. I don't even think that's a debatable proposition. Jill Stein, right. the Russian-backed Jill Stein, uh, ran as a lefty in 2016 and got more votes in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan than Hillary lost by. I, I mean, this is a very effective way to elect Republican presidents. Yeah. Is give people, you know, a, th- a third, you know, a no-label way. I mean, it, it, its history is pretty damn remarkable. It sure is. James, we have the perfect final question for you. Eton, 
This is going to be a tough one, James Carville. Eton in Manhattan, New York, not Kansas, says to you, James, if you could run any presidential campaign for anyone in history, excluding Bill Clinton, who would it be and why? Oh, God. Is that good or what? I, I guess I would say Franklin Roosevelt, because not, not that I, I would, he would listen to me, but I could listen to him. And <laughs> the, the, the more that you read about this guy, like the, the, the smarter and meaner and tougher that he comes across. So if I could just like be in the same room with Franklin Roosevelt, I think I'd probably take that. <laughs> meaner and tougher and charming and delightful at the same time. Yeah. God, can you can you all out there imagine a campaign with James Carville running FDR? God, I would pay it. I'd turn back the clock, the time clock, uh, and pay admission for that. <laughs> okay. Uh, keep those questions coming in. We love to hear from you. Uh, some we didn't get to next week. Uh, we'll, uh, this week, rather, we'll try to get to next week. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to Politics War Room with James Carville, and I'm Al Hunt. Don't forget to send your questions for us by email to politicswarroom at gmail.com or tweet them for next week's show at Politicon. Following this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you check out the link to our sponsor, Real Paper, in the show notes. We thank you for supporting them. When you do, you help make this podcast happen. Now, to keep up with us, subscribe to Politics War Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Please rate the show with a five-star review. We'll be back next week with another show as we continue our War Room planning. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. 
they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.